Hello and welcome to the St Emlyn's podcast. I'm Simon Carley and today I'm not in Manchester. I'm in Cork, in Ireland, with... Aidan Barron. And who is clearly sounding extremely Irish. Aidan, you're not Irish. Not at all. No, where are you from? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, so I'm a paramedic from Australia and I've been spending the past six months in London, UK, not London, Ontario. Ontario or Ontario? We've got Ontario, some, I Ontario, think. Ontario, yeah. yeah. We've had some wonderful Canadians with us at this conference. And I'm a paramedic who specialises in research around point-of-care ultrasound and a little bit of ethics and patient advocacy. Actually, quite a lot of ethics and advocacy, but we'll come back to that in a minute, and quite a lot of pokers. But we've um, been here at the EMS Gathering. Now, the EMS Gathering is a really interesting conference. Um, I first came here in 2014 when it was actually done in Kalani, and it's an incredibly interesting conference. And we, we do do a lot of hyperbole about conferences and say, this is the most epic, this is the most amazing, you know, smack's brilliant. But actually, there are certain conferences out there that do unique things. They do things differently. They make me stop and think about how we do education. And this is one of them. And there's a few reasons why. And I know we've been talking about why we think this conference is a little bit different. So tell us a little bit about the conference and, and who's here. So EMS Gathering here in Cork in Ireland, fantastic conference. And the reason I quite liked it is because it's brought together an international crowd of multidisciplinary professionals from pre-hospital care emergency medicine, acute care, all focused on how we can improve patient care and experience. So there's a massive Irish delegation, obviously, but also paramedics and physicians and nurses from Canada, from the UK, from Australia. Germany. Germany, absolutely. I believe Taiwan and China are also here. And, oh gosh, where else? All over the place, really. And... The EMS thing, I think sometimes we we talk about EMS and we don't really understand what it is in the UK. So it's more than just the ambulance service. This is about the emergency medicine services. So it's more than just ambulance. We've got fire, we've got coast guards, civil defence, we've got the air corps, we've got the military, we've got the RNLI. It's that whole group of people who are all focused and sort of orbiting around the patient journey and the patient need. And... I've not seen that in quite the same way in another conference. I completely agree. What was really incredible to see is that you've got the entire spectrum of patient care involved, all the way from volunteer community first responders to very highly experienced healthcare professionals. And even people who wouldn't traditionally be perceived as kind of a clinical caring role. So you've got ancillary and auxiliary people involved in the rescue and emergency care of vulnerable patients. And it's really pretty awesome to see just how many different agencies have turned out here to kind of come together, collaborate and share. And very much as per the name, it is a true gathering of people. And it feels like that. That's quite unique here in that I've rarely ever been in a conference that feels so homely so very organic in terms of a, a gathering of, of like-minded people. I think gathering is quite an Irish word, and it was explained to me back in 2014. It, it is something more than just the education, although we'll, we'll talk about that. We need to get on to the education because there's so many things that we've learned to have gone on. But um, Kieran, Connor, and the rest of the organising committee have done a fantastic job. So we'll come back to that. Let's get into the, the meat of this and actually talk about the things that we got out of it. So we've both been involved in the education side. You were heavily involved in doing the ultrasound workshops and the ultrasound sessions. I've been sort of flitting in and out and doing some sort of stuff. But there's a huge amount of learning here. So let's just talk about how this is set up. So there have been some lectures. Yep. But they're short, they're pithy, they're engaging. And they were done in the Everyman feature, Everyman Theatre, which is next door to yes. where we're staying. An incredible place. So we've trodden the same boards as Charlie Chaplin and Indeed. Laurel and Hardy. 
um, people from the 1930s. It was a very old theatre. And they've used that theatrical setting to do some remarkable events. Now, on day one, I was really, really struck when they did a live cardiac arrest demo on stage. And the focus of that was about how we handle and how we deal with the family and the emotion and the difficult decisions, particularly around end-of-life decisions um, in a cardiac arrest. So basically, they had a cardiac arrest um, setting on stage. And the focus was the conversation between the team leader and the wife of the 40-year-old who died. So they'd come to the end of the resuscitation and how they handled giving her the option, giving her the permission, giving her the space to come in and share the final moments. And then, and I think language is really important here, we often talk about the cardiac arrest being the, the withdrawal of care, but actually what we saw there is a really experienced team transferring care or moving the focus of care from we need to get ROSC into we need to manage this situation and help these people move through. And the interaction with Pamela, who was the playing the, the wife of the 40-year-old, was so emotive. There were people crying in the audience, I've got to say. Um, it was incredible. And following that, they then did a short panel discussion with some incredible people. So Pamela stayed in role as the wife of the deceased. And we then almost sort of flipped forward in time and, and learned what it was like from her perspective to feel those emotions and what it was like on the day. We heard from another faculty member who lost her brother, I think, in a, an accident abroad. And we heard from experts in grief and the management of grief about how these impact, not just on the family, but also on us. And it, it, it felt very similar to the, the podcast we did with Esther about moral injury, about how these events, particularly these very emotive events, and the reason why the, the theatre was so quiet and so emotive and there's so many people crying, is that transported me and everybody else there back to those moments which are so important. And that was a feature of this conference. And, and I know you're going to talk in, in a second about patience, about it's more than just the nuts and bolts of the job. It's it's how it affects us and how we can do it well. And doing it well is not just about the medicine. It's about all the stuff that goes on around it. So that was incredibly powerful. And I know you, you really found the patient narrative session important in a similar way. I was absolutely blown away by that. So it's a patient narrative session and they essentially had three inspirational speakers come up on stage who were completely non-medical. So for example, they had Dr. Sinead Kane, who is and she professes extremely visually impaired. So she has roughly 5% vision. And she's had that since she was a, a young girl. She's now gone on to do two PhDs, become a celebrated lawyer, and also holds the Guinness World Record for the longest um, run ever completed by a woman. And is just an absolute powerhouse in every sense of the word. And something I really, really loved was she, she ended her talk with the phrase, I may not have lots of vision, but I am a visionary. And I thought it was an extremely powerful reframe for us as clinicians to stop placing boxes around patients who experience disabilities, whether they be physical or mental. And it was, it's a, it was a wonderful insight into the patient experience. And then what reduced every single person to tears in the audience and resulted in a standing ovation was the wonderful story of a young gentleman who came up on stage 
and to announce to the crowd that this was four and a half years of him being clean from illicit drug use. And the narrative went on from there, basically explaining how he fell into a spiral of uncontrollable substance use and psychological torment and how he then extricated himself from that situation. And I found that having a very multidisciplinary group of people there at this gathering, all hearing from this patient experience, it helped us to reframe how we see these patients and perhaps stop maligning them and start appreciating just how much torment and torture they go through and perhaps appreciate how important our compassion towards them is. I managed to catch up with him at the end of the conference and had a chat. And one of the things I did is I apologised on the behalf of myself and the people I work with for sometimes not always being at our best when we deal with patients who have particularly substance use problems. And we don't understand, I think, that when people are in crisis, when things are going wrong, they turn up in our emergency department, it's very easy to blame the person who's done this to themselves. That's the phrase that, we, that goes into people's minds. This is your fault for doing it. This is your fault for taking the drugs. And we don't understand that there are incredible circumstances and the very powerful circumstances that he talked about and also the potential for success. And he did say that he'd had lots of attempts at trying to help, most of which failed the vast majority of which failed. But occasionally there were times when there was a moment, there was a potential where somebody talking to him, saying something, pointing in the right direction did make a difference. And that reinforced the need for us to keep going, to keep trying to help. That was one of the wonderful take-home points is how he explained that multiple times he checked himself into rehab or rehab in the universal sense and perhaps didn't really quite make that a successful one. And so he had a 28-day stint in a special facility to help him withdraw from substance use and then relapsed and went back into rehab and relapsed. But eventually, through the compassion and human connection that a social worker projected to him, he was able to finally go into rehab the umpteenth time and successfully transition through that process and now has a wonderful relationship with his children, just graduated from a diploma of social work and much to everyone's applause, has just enrolled in a bachelor's degree in um, social work and substance use. It was, it was pretty inspiring stuff and a big learning lesson for us all there. I think patient narratives just in general are, are very important. We talked about this up at the USEM conference recently when we were talking about the, the power of narrative learning in emergency medicine. And I am concerned that, concern may not be the right word, but it's clear to me that we see a very small segment of the patient experience, particularly in EMS or particularly in the emergency department. We see these people for a very short period of time. We judge our success or failure on what happens within a four-hour stint or a one-hour stint. That's crazy if you stop and think about it. Unless we understand the whole of the patient journey and understand where they came from and where they end up and what the final outcomes are, I don't think we're doing our service a good job and we're not being good clinicians and we're not being good learners and we're not being good scientists. Now, I know that's hard. You're not going to have to do it for every patient that you see. That would be insane. But I do think we need to start thinking about understanding what the experience of disease is from the patient's perspective and see where we fit into that, as opposed to just think about the pathology and not understand the disease. Absolutely. We have this binary appreciation of a patient outcome and how well we've done, judged on what happens at four hours. And it's a scientifically invalid metric, as we both appreciate and that does come back to some of the talks on the first day, for example, by one of our colleagues, MJ Slabbard, 
who really did encourage all healthcare professionals to follow up on patients, not just the exciting ones, but also the routine ones. That was me. Was that you? That was me. That was my talk. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, I think, I think MJ said it as well, but that was my whole learning point. Isn't, isn't that convenient? So, yeah. was, so for all the listeners who aren't aware, there was this brilliant professor of emergency medicine, no, God, Simon Carley. Right. There was, a lot of, there was a lot of consistency, actually. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that we did this. So I, said, I mentioned it. Um, MJ mentioned it. It was mentioned again, the patient narratives. It has been a theme throughout the conference. I think, I think that's Absolutely. really important for us to say. And I think involving patients, I, I want to see more of that. I want to see more patients Agreed. involved. We also had these things which I first experienced here, which is the learning with leisure concept. Now, this is clever. And when I originally saw it, I thought this is a bit of a con. This is a way. So learning with leisure means that you'll go off and do an activity. And as part of the activity, you'll learn. And the classic was the sepsis bus. So we're going to go on a bus tour and we're going to talk about sepsis. And I thought, actually, do you know what? That's, that might be just an excuse to go on a bus tour. So the sepsis bus, or as I much prefer to call it, the pus bus. Um, that's really bad, I know. But they, they won't take it on. Um, these are really educational events because what you're getting is you're binding and getting a group of people together. You're breaking down the pre-existing idea of hierarchies and you're getting people to chat. So there's stuff with the attack group doing um, pre-hospital electrification, amazing. I've got some videos that are chucked up on Twitter. There was sepsis, there was extrication, there was Coast Guard work, there was all sorts of different events going on and you could choose your own adventure. Absolutely. And I think that was one of the other great things was that not only could you choose your own adventure, but you could choose something that you were interested in and were encouraged to do something different to what you would normally do. And what I found was really impressive is that these learning with leisure activities were not just a leisurely activity with a bit of learning chucked on. They were explicitly designed, highly invested in educational activities that used the medium of leisure and an informal environment and exploring to bring people together, as you so rightly put, and kind of help them embrace a new paradigm by putting them in a new situation, which was both fun and exciting and exploratory. So if you get the opportunity, do come over here and don't ever think that that's a, an easy option on those. The amount of education that went on was incredible. Big shout out to the attack group. The extrication scenarios that were done back down on the dockside, which I, I went and saw, tremendous. I mean, I'm a big fan of the attack course. I've not done it myself yet. I'm on the waiting list. If anybody's listening, I am on the waiting list. Wink, wink, nudge, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. nudge. Um, I'm desperate to go and do it. The way that they educate, it's, it's insanely good. So please have a think about that. Right. Loads of things we could talk about. We've got to stick to the highlights, stick to the highlights. So, Chris Luke. Indeed. Big fan. I mean, I actually hadn't heard of him that much until I came here, but oh my gosh, we had a event medicine nightclub session. It was uh, emergency care on the streets. And in a true nightclub, Dr. Chris Luke gave an absolutely outstanding talk on the kind of history of illicit substances and safety and event medicine in the club scene, going back all the way to Cream. Um, I've been to Cream. Oh, well. I was trendy once. Honestly, I, I did a lot of nightclubbing well, in my... have some very cool glasses. Thank you so much. But yeah, no, it, yeah, he's a legend. Total legend, total legend. And the stats he was coming out with and the bringing home how, just how real some of the risks are was phenomenal. So, for example, one of the big take-home points was that one out of two patients will die from smoking. I thought, oh, hang on a second, what's he actually saying there? One out of two people are going to die due to a smoking-related illness. I thought, oh my gosh, that's really quite a statistic, isn't it? And also, I, I loved his three Cs, the three big risks to patients' health. 
and in people's health in general, I guess. In, in club medicine. In club medicine and in f- festival and party medicine. Cocaine, conflagration, and crime. The third one, crime. Uh, of course, this came from the 1920s and 30s, so I heard that um, uh, the days of the Charlestons, so of the 1920s, the flapper girls, um, actually used to have necklaces with little cocaine spoons on. So cocaine and drugs have been in nightclubs and stuff for absolutely Since ever. Old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's cocaine, crime and conflagration. And these days, of course, it's not just cocaine because no, there's a whole absolutely. there's a whole smorgasbord of drugs. In, in, indeed. Um, in, in fact, I, I do recall that uh, Dr. Luke did suggest that there are two new uh, novel compounds coming out every single week. And so it's almost impossible to keep up. And, and his advice to us as healthcare practitioners in emergency medicine, pre-hospital care and acute care settings was just remember the major toxidromes. It's almost impossible to keep up with all the different novel, novel substances and where they're being produced because they really are being produced at an alarming rate. But understand the major toxidromes and treat them accordingly. And that's kind of the best we can do at the moment because until we have point-of-care analysis that isn't only able to suggest what the toxin is, but also is validated in terms of the clinical outcomes for those patients and the likely prognosis after a, an extended period of care, we really don't know what we're dealing with. We are swimming blind, so to say. Just on that one, I think there is work out there with um, certain organisations, so like The Loop in the UK, David Caldicott's some amazing stuff Absolutely. around um, pill testing at festivals and Big things like that. shout out to Dr David Caldicott, yeah. who set up Wetanos in Wales and is now uh, Atenos, so the first pill testing trial in Australia in the ACT. I think those are, I mean, we need to get him on the podcast and have a chat, actually. He's, he, I, I met him on this conference, it's hilarious really passionate about this and, and knows so much about it. But even then, they're OK for festivals, but actually there's a lot of people that are certainly in Manchester taking drugs in, in not-so-well-organised um, settings, and it's, it's never going to get there for that. You know, pill testing isn't the solution to everything, but it certainly will give us public health surveillance about what's going on now. Absolutely. There. And some of the drugs that are out on the streets in Manchester, 500 milligrams of ecstasy in a tablet, you know, that's insane. I think the average dose for ecstasy on a healthy adult male who's taken it before is probably about 100 milligrams. So you put 500 milligrams into a 55 kilogram naive lady, it ain't going to end well. No, uh, no, that's that's definitely uh, definitely true. I guess the word suboptimal would come to mind. Yeah, and it's, it's a real risk out there. It's, it's a real trouble. So here, I thought, the other thing I thought about, Chris, was very interesting presentation style. Mm-hmm. So we love presentation styles. We have um, similar approaches to it. And we genuinely believe that that's the best way to present. And then you meet someone like Chris, who presents in an entirely different way. Totally. And if you sort of, okay, so Chris would give you a slide set and say, this is what I'm going to do. And you go, uh, no, I don't think that's going to work. It works beautifully. It worked. And, and his slides were full of newspaper clippings. It was all over the shop. All over the shop. But it was kind of brilliant. And it was so, it was so genuine and legitimately true to the theme, which was, the kind of chaotic, fun, rowdy nature of club medicine. So I think it was a great example educationally that one size does not fit all and the exceptions do prove the rule. And actually, if you get to see, get the opportunity to go and see Chris, go and see him. He's, he's a great presenter and Absolutely. great fun. And I think it, it just boils down to the fact that it's about the presenter and the way they present and the slides are just there as a medium to support that. Absolutely. So P1 story, P3 presentation, P2, not so much if you're into P cubed and Ross uh, Fisher's work. Okay, anything else that we want to mention before we um, call it quits? I think I just want to pay special attention to the fact that this conference was very special to me in one other way, which is it garnered the support of the national 
emergency service executives. So there was the chief executives and senior senior officers of the fire brigades and the civil defense and the coast guard and of course the ambulance service here at the conference. Not only that, but at the gala dinner, they had the Tenochte, the deputy prime minister of Ireland, attend a gala dinner for a healthcare medical conference. I mean, where do you have that? They had the deputy mayor of Cork City and, and the deputy prime minister come and, and give an address and support emergency services and pre-hospital and emergency medicine. I mean, where on earth do you have that? The entire conference, we had a military demonstration by tactical medics. We had flyovers from the search and rescue and, and coast guard and the uh, civil defense and the army. We had drone pilots. The entire conference, people were concerned that there was a mass casualty incident because it was just a line of ambulances and fire engines parked outside the conference hotel. It was really awesome to see the entire community and country come together and support this grassroots conference that's just exploded. It was also pretty funny. Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> it was really good. Um, I, had a, I was fortunate enough to have a, a little chat with him, actually, and um, very interesting guy, clearly very passionate about healthcare and had a great understanding. I think he's done quite a few posts within the government. You know, when you meet people and you actually think they've actually got an understanding both at strategic level and they've got an understanding at operational level. And I did get that. It's quite rare. I also heard that he's doing good stuff politically, but I'm not going to get into the politics of it because that's kind of controversial. But yeah, really nice chap. Wonderful to see there. Fabulous band last night. Oh, God, so good. So good. Absolutely awesome vibe. Yeah. <laughs> so... If you're looking for fun, if you're looking for education, if you're looking for activity, if you're looking to be challenged both physically, educationally and emotionally, if you're looking to hear great music in a great setting with wonderful people, where are you going to be in 2019? Well, you know, I was thinking of perhaps going to our EMS gathering. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'll be making it back next year, but don't think that this is just about EMS in Ireland. I would say this is relevant to anybody involved in acute and clinical care around the world. So... Come see these guys. They're a good bunch of people. Agree, endorse, and looking forward to seeing the team in 2019. Have fun, guys. So just before heading back to Manchester, I caught up with Mike Abernathy in the lobby of the Metropole Hotel. Pretty cool place to stay and the base for EMS gathering. So I thought I'd get a couple of words and thoughts from Mike just before he heads off back to Chicago and then on to Madison, Wisconsin. Well, it's, it's been a busy week. I came over last Thursday, uh, initially for the attack course up in Lincolnshire. And then we had a wonderful procedures course, Resuscitate IE, at the university. And then again for the last two days with EMS gathering. And this has been my, it's my third EMS gathering. Uh, really had not spent any time in Ireland before the first one, which was in Killarney about three years ago, right before Smack Dub, then last year in Kinsale, and then this year in Cork. And it's really been epic. And I know we use that word a lot, but not only the content, the environment in which it's presented, the people, and really just a lot of fun. As I said, it's really nice coming back, and I've made a transition to where, you know, Ireland's no longer a foreign country. It's something very sort of familiar and comfortable, and I really look forward to coming back again. I think that has something to do with the the welcome we get here with EMS Gathering. I think they are particularly welcoming and very helpful to people who come from other places to make them feel comfortable. 
I was going to ask you a couple of things. It's the first time I've done anything with the attack course. I'm just still desperately trying to get on one of the courses, but the time and life and calendars don't seem to work out. But the simulations that I know you were running down at the port had a level of realism, a level of fidelity and a level of immersion, which I've not seen before in simulation. I mean, I know we do simulation in the hospital, we do institute simulation, and I can, I can get that. But the way that you had particularly the use of live actors and the particular use of um, the genuine kit, the, the real environment, I mean, just walking through the environment and you heard the screams and you heard the way that people are interacting, it felt very real. It was very emotive, actually. It is. And that's when I was first exposed to attack. I believe it was uh, Smack Chicago. I was just fascinated by the way they did simulation. I mean, we've done simulation for years in the United States and sort of a controlled environment. But again, this total immersion, you know, with a focus on the bandwidth and distraction. Um, if you really want to see some good stuff, take a look at the attack site and the videos. Uh, they really put a lot into it. And it's Yes, the actors make a whole difference. It's one thing to place a tourniquet on a mannequin in a sim lab, but it's another thing to place a tourniquet on a screaming person who's pumping blood. Well, not real blood, but fake blood. And uh, they're also not very cooperative, which really mirrors our, our real-life situations. It's interesting you mentioned that one because that was one of the ones I observed. And the patient was begging, and I mean begging, not to have the tourniquet put on. And I've been in situations like that. That's the reality of the recess room and the pre-hospital environment where you're dealing not just with the medical care, but all the things that are going on around you, the sights, the sounds, the smells, the emotions, the pain, the discomfort. And I can see how going through this kind of training, and I know there are other pre-hospital services that do it as well, can really get you into the mindset and get you prepared. And was there anything else that sort of cropped up in the conference that you thought that really sort of struck home with you as a, as a powerful event or, or something that you're going to take away from this conference? Well, again, you know, looking at Ireland, uh, it's a country of four or five million people. You know, there's cities in the U.S. that are quite a lot bigger, but they have their own infrastructure, their own NHS, their own EMS, their own national defense, Coast Guard and all that. And I, I'm really amazed by how well things run and again you know the communication between the agencies as i was telling the minister last night i said i'm sort of jealous the way his ems works with the irish air corps and the coast guard and these people know each other on a first name basis and that's just something i haven't seen almost anywhere else yeah it's not often you can drop the line as i was saying to the minister last night because, <laughs> yeah, the, the Deputy Prime Minister of Ireland uh, was here, along with, you know, the heads of the ambulance service, the fire service, the civil defence uh, medical officer was there. There's a whole, I'll, I'll forget them all, but it was incredible. Right, Mike, I know you've got to get on a flight, so I'll leave you alone. It's fantastic to see you again. I'll be seeing you in Smack. I'm hoping. That which will be amazing. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. And safe travels and have a good time. Okay, thank you. So also got time to catch up with uh, Kieran and Damon um, on the EMS gathering. So, Kieran, you're the, the sort of head man here. Uh, well, it's actually part of a team, so I'm just one of a huge team that uh, puts this together uh, every year, and it's a fantastic opportunity for us all to collaborate with each other and bring over maybe even extra extra skills that we don't already had and build on those. Yeah, so it's fantastic, and but it's the people who come as well that make it. So, it's been incredible. And and Damien. 
much the same, uh, Simon. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a super event. It's grown over the last six years quite significantly. As Kieran said, it's, uh, you know, it's the amount of people that are involved in organising. There's probably 100 people doing various bits and pieces who are also participants in the, in the event. And of course, what makes this year absolutely fantastic is the amount of international delegates attending. By far the most we've had. Probably around 120 from overseas. Yeah, it's a pretty big conference now. And Damien and I would, uh, Damien, and Aidan and I, the names are too similar, Aidan and I were just talking about why this conference is slightly different. And one of the things that we've really pulled out as a theme is the patient narratives and the experience and the understanding that medicine's a lot more than the nuts and bolts of what you do, but why we do it, how we do it, and what effect that has on ourselves, our patients, clinicians, and families. And I think that's, that's been an incredible theme throughout here. Indeed. Uh, you know, sometimes conferences are, are, are focused, as you said, on the technical aspects of medicine and emergency care. But uh, we really want to focus on the people that we serve and the, and, and the patients that we, we interact with uh, every day. And we want to make that as good as we could possibly can and take learning from, from everybody who attends uh, the conference. I thought some of the stuff in the Everyman Theatre was incredible, Kieran. I, I, it was just so powerful. Yeah, well, it was really good, I suppose. That, that for, for me personally, that was a dream come true. It's a, a theatre that's 120 years old. It's a, in my home city. I just think the, uh, the atmosphere, the environment makes it so special. You know, it was great. We introduced just role play theatre. We actually did theatre in, the, in breaking, delivering bad news, which was really powerful. I think that impact and lighting and sound and ambience and that. And we had our puppet show. And we had <laughs> we lots, of, have a lots of uh, music and just that culture. And I think it sets the scene for everybody, it gets people into that zone. And it's just, yeah, look, and we push out the boat. We all don't get everything right, obviously, of course, anytime we learn from it. But, you know, we just, people come up with these, it's just novel ways of doing things a little bit different, maybe memorable, maybe just that little bit different. And people, you know, when we come up and we have our things and somebody comes over, this bizarre way of do, doing things why don't we do this and look around and kind of if anybody hasn't a good reason to say don't just kind of go for it so kind of hashtag go for it <laughs> yeah there's another hashtag which is a bit ruder i'm not going to share with people um, i'm going to just say that for me what i've seen to summarize it is the buzz on this final day today when people are going home they're walking out of here with a spring in their step with a, a little bit of a rejuvenation of their interest in medicine emergency medicine pre-hospital care they feel good about what they do and they know it makes a difference. And I think that's an incredible achievement, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, just a short interlude here because one of the amazing participants of the conference and a bit of a surprise to all of us considering how much is going on at home um, was uh, Donald Trump. Yes, thank you, Simon. Thank you. I'm so happy, so glad to be here in Ireland for the EMS gathering. It was by far the most amazing conference I've ever been to. I mean, it is some big league education here. I really, I learned a lot. I don't remember any of it, but I, I was told <laughs> I learned a lot. And it's not just me who says it's the best conference. Everyone says it's the best conference. Everyone, not actually published at all. There's no evidence for that, but you just think it's the best conference. But, no, no, I, I hear things. People tell me things. Okay, I, I, I don't remember who said things or where it was written down, but I'm told that it is the number one conference in, among all the other conferences. It's the hugest it's the greatest. It's beautiful. It's just the best. There's nothing like it. And so you're here to make conferences great again? Uh, yes, I, I am here to make conferences great again. In the future, it'd be better if it was held at a Trump hotel or casino, I think, a Trump property, because then it would be truly be the greatest. But the Metropole is, I'll be honest, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a liar. You know me, I can't lie. 
I think it's a pretty great hotel. It has actually been a fantastic hotel. We had a really good time. Although, because it's a medical conference, I think most people have been calling it the Metoprolol. But that's, that's just a Peter Blocker thing. Uh, but come out of character. Morgan, tell us, tell us where you're from and what you're doing here. Um, so I'm Morgan. I'm a paramedic from uh, Williamson County, Texas. And I uh, came out here for, a, uh, for the conference and had an absolutely amazing time learning from some of the best minds in pre-hospital and emergency medicine from across the world. I think having the international perspective has been brilliant. We've seen a lot of people from uh, your side of the world, from North America, and learning from you and realizing there's different ways to do things, both uh, mutually. I mean, we've all learned both sides. I think it's been great. It's one of the best things about conferences. Yeah, it's been amazing because we have this international community that's here from Canada, the US, uh, the, the, the UK, Ireland, the rest of Europe. Um, there are even some gentlemen here from China, and it was uh, also Australia and New Zealand, just an amazing mix of pre-hospital providers from across the world. Okay, and one last word from uh, our friend and sponsor and mentor and just all-around good guy. Hero. Um, listen, if you're looking for a big league conference to attend, okay, I, I, it's not just me again. Everyone says that EMS Gathering is the place to go. And if you come next year together, we can make conferences great again. Excellent. And I can promise you that is not fake news. No, I don't, I don't do fake news. Only, only real news.